Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it just put your trust in him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. And welcome to the Get Happy with Jay podcast. I'm your host, Jatan Woods. This episode may be triggering to some of you listeners as we will be discussing child sexual abuse. My guest, Jeannie Anders, and I will be dissecting the HBO documentary Leaving Neverland and After Neverland, the show that was hosted by Oprah Winfrey. The documentary is a must see for anyone who has children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, or has any other access to kids. Regardless as to your opinion of Michael Jackson or whether or not you even believe the alleged victims featured in the documentary, this is a classic study of how sexual predators groom their victims. You really need to be able to understand and therefore recognize this behavior. It was hard to watch, but I tried to have an open mind. So Jeannie, let's get into it, girl. Okay. <laughs> was it difficult for you to watch too? It was difficult for me to watch. I knew, of course, years and years ago and heard years and years ago about the rumblings of him doing this behavior with the children. But like they said so, so well in the documentary, it was just something that people just did not want to believe. He was an yeah. icon. Mm-hmm. Um, he sang songs about empowerment, loving children, being better. So it was very difficult to watch. But I will be absolutely honest with you, Jatan. I did believe the very first time that I had heard, you know, all those years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember driving down the street and thinking, well, gosh, I think it could be, but not really. And I think also, too, I can remember I love his music and I would play his music and I would kind of laugh to myself and think as I was playing it, please don't be a pedophile because I really love your music. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, that, yeah, to make a long answer short, yes, it was very difficult to watch. And for myself, looking back when, you know, back in the 90s when, you know, we first got wind mm-hmm. of uh, this possible pedophilia, I just... I don't know what I was thinking at the time. Of course, I was more like a kid. Sure. So I think I just didn't want to believe it either. No. And I think I just kind of dismissed it. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when it comes to crimes like this, if it doesn't affect you personally or you can't see it, Mm -hmm. then it's very easy to compartmentalize it or just dismiss it altogether. Right. 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 Oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. And for me, part one was kind of really long Mm -hmm. did you feel that I felt after watching part one I felt that it was powerful but it it, it seemed just so long to me I almost fell asleep on it but then in thinking back on it it needed to be because it really went into detail the Mm step-by-step grooming process Mm -hmm. that went on and what really stood out to me was how he groomed not just the victim, he groomed the entire family, which was really different. And that doesn't always happen with predators. Sometimes they're in situations where they can single out kids in different ways. But it was really interesting how he like sucked the entire family in. What did you think about that part I thought, of it? I, I agree with that also too, Jatani. I thought too, as I was listening to the young men's experience, of how they were being touched inappropriately and mm-hmm. what was happening. I thought the same thing, too. I thought, oh, my gosh, I, I, I cannot really listen to this anymore. But you're right, it just kind of rolled into the grooming process and how it did happen. So I'm mm-hmm. with you on that. It was important to know what type of sexual abuse was happening to these children. Yes. And, and, and how... It was led into this with the grooming process. 
And the um, alleged victims in the documentary are Wade Robson and James Safechuck. Mm -hmm. Now, in looking at both men's stories, was one more believable to you than the other? How did you think each man kind of came across in the documentary? I felt like I, I believed both of them. I, I, I felt like both of their stories were true. I, knowing where you and I both work and understanding the grooming process, mm -hmm. I felt like that I was a little bit more, mm, I, I did, I believed both of them, but I think I was a little bit more interested, and in, I think this is not maybe the right word to use, but it is, I'm going to use it, kind of more fascinated mm -hmm. with the, I'm sorry, what was it? Wait. The dancer, Wade. Yes, the dancer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With that, because it truly started even before he met Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of an interesting piece. Yeah. Michael Jackson had been idolized by him mm -hmm. ever since he was really, really young. So I think that really spoke to how that grooming process happened. Yeah, I think I was more drawn to James' mm -hmm. story. And I think in part because he, to this day, just seems kind of like, almost, I don't want to say an emotional wreck, but mm -hmm. just still more affected. Yes. And I think that's explained a little bit more in Oprah's show, After Neverland, because he is much newer to the healing process. Mm -hmm. He hasn't had as much therapy so I think that's why he seemed more upset, I guess, even looking at him visually mm -hmm. in both the documentary and her show. He just seemed so much more upset. I think so, too, I, especially in on the Oprah, the after, um, after leaving Neverland that Oprah hosted. I thought the same thing, too. Mm -hmm. You could just see it in his body language. You could just see it in his eyes. Um, and I think, like you and I both were talking a little bit earlier, and I'm wondering if part of that is because the abuse happened to him when he was older, when he was 11. Yeah. Whereas the abuse happened to the other young man when he was just so much younger. Yeah. Seven. So, so much mm -hmm. younger. Yeah, and there really is a big difference mm -hmm. developmentally between a 7-year-old mm -hmm. and an 11-year-old. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think as you see in um, the documentary, when James said Michael had a wedding ceremony with him, mm -hmm. and I found it interesting that he still had the ring. Right. Yeah, and he pulled that out. So he pulled him in even more, I think, emotionally, and like, right. this is forever. This is a relationship. Mm -hmm. I think he was able to look at it more as a relationship, even than, than Wade's grooming. Right. Right. Yeah. So interesting um, about the grooming of the parents and yes. the family mm -hmm. and how the mothers were so groomed also. And then once he had these children, um, let's, you know, let's include your mom, let's include your parents, let's include your family. But then started the process of separating yes. the parents. Mm -hmm from the children and it seems like that really happened once the sexual yes. abuse started then that's when it was interesting he was always like especially don't trust your mothers even more so than the boys fathers mm -hmm. and it was so interesting because he went out of his way to befriend the mothers and make them feel like he was like another son to them you're right. Both yeah. of the mothers had said that. Mm -hmm. Both of the mothers had but said that. But then behind closed doors with the kids mm -hmm. was trying to drive that wedge between the family. Mm -hmm. And that was the heartbreaking thing for Wade's family to see that when he and his sister and his uh, mother moved here mm -hmm. to the U.S. from Australia, the father got left behind. He eventually commits suicide. And just how deeply affected that entire family was. Yeah, and there was a brother that stayed behind with the dad in Australia. Yeah, I, that that is one of the things that I thought was really good about the documentary is that you're right. The, everything else that they spoke about, what had happened to the other family members, mm -hmm. the sisters, the siblings, everybody was affected. They by really it. were mm -hmm. not just you know the young men. 
that were yeah. with Michael Jackson. And that was touching, too, because especially, again, with Wade and how his sister was involved and how it was interesting that Michael only went so far with her mm -hmm. and she was almost seemed more ignored, like there was some communication there, but nothing like with Wade. And so even as that whole thing was going on, I just wondered how she felt that Wade was singled out and then she was like kind of left behind. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Even though he was the one that was like the super fan. But I wonder if she felt hurt that, you know, why am I not the chosen one to get to spend the night and things like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. I caught Wade's brother uh, saying that also, too, kind of to that effect, um, feeling very, very left behind. And mm -hmm. how could mom go and, and take him? And it, it's all for Wade. And why is Wade so special? And um, yes, so it, it was extremely devastating for the families what did you think about both of the mothers and and their culpability in it I was mad and I kept thinking to myself as a mother how could you have not reacted on your gut instinct mm -hmm. that you know here is this grown man that wants to spend so much time mm -hmm. with your child mm -hmm. um, and has actually said, hey, can they stay? But I also understood how it happened too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so quickly. And we see it all the time with parents Mm -hmm. That also want that fame and that glory. Yeah, because their was, children. I was their telling children. you that they were kind of like stage moms. Yes, because both the kids uh, were either already in the entertainment industry, like James had already been doing commercials right. and things. And right. That's how he met Michael Jackson. And it was almost like kind of stage mothering to the tenth power, right? And how I don't even know if either woman can admit it, but they got a lot out of it. They, they did. got vacations. The Safe Check family, he bought them a house. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like yeah, they were living the dream too. Yeah, they were. And one of the one of the moms, it might have even been Wade's mom, said, you know, I was able to do all these wonderful things and travel the world and have all these experiences because of Michael. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good point, Jatan, and I didn't catch that as I was watching it, but you're right. They were stage mothers mm -hmm. even before Michael Jackson truly entered the picture. Mm -hmm. So good point. So, yeah. so here we have somebody that can even make my life better, my life more exciting, mm -hmm. my life more fun. Yeah. And all the while telling yourself, this is great because you know what? This is what my child wants too. Yes. Yeah. But I still can't grasp them allowing I know. their kid to spend the night. I know. In the room with him as he isolates them in another part of the house. Mm -hmm. And especially once they were at Neverland, sometimes they were even in a different building. Right. Not just a different floor or wing. So I just, yeah, I remember that oh, your kid spend the night with a grown adult male. Because with both these kids, Michael was in his 30s when the abuse took place. Mm -hmm. A grown man, and he was odd. I mean, come on. Right. Like, how could you not recognize that this was an odd, troubled individual? It's amazing, and I know that you and I talk about this all the time, especially in light of things that we are seeing and hearing every day in the news. It is amazing what people will look away from, mm -hmm. excuse, mm -hmm. and allow in for power. Yeah. For power and for, for what you get out of it. It and corrupts. Yeah, it corrupts. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I was thinking, you know, throughout this whole thing for the mothers. Um, you are getting a lot out of it. You, you yourself are getting a lot of the glory out of it. And even though you have to know deep down that something's not quite right, but it is mm -hmm. amazing what you can not listen to your gut instinct and talk yourself out of. Absolutely. And I wonder, too, because with the work we do, we see this. There's usually a change in the child, even if it's subtle. 
And I wonder, and they really didn't go into details about how they kind of changed. And I wondered if there was anything at all in their behavior that changed that, um, that could have signaled something to those parents. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a good question because I know that both of, the, both of them had mentioned on the Oprah show, and a little bit, you're right, in the second part, as they became adults, mm-hmm. that's when they were kind of experiencing the withdrawing and mm-hmm. their wives were noticing it. Yeah. So they were adults when it was happening. Yeah. So you're right, as children, that would yeah. be interesting if, if and when, and the mothers might do this maybe in a, in a little bit because they themselves need to go through the healing process, that they might come forward and say mm-hmm. that, yes, I do remember Wade when he was 12, 13, 14, not talking or being extremely withdrawn or or changes or in grades or, and, you know, change in interest and in, in things, just something. But here's something, too, that's, you know, when we say the grades and their interests and stuff, since they were in, you know, show business and on stage, especially Wade, all the time working from mm-hmm. very little how much really interaction did they have with other children? Other children. That's a good to, point. To see. Because, and I think James had even less because he was an only child. Right. So he had no siblings. Mm-hmm. And both of them, when you're in that industry, whether it's the music industry, Hollywood, either one, you're forced to kind of be an adult and you're right. put in adult situations. Right. Situations as children. And, and yeah. They really didn't have chances to be quote unquote normal kids either. Mm-hmm. And when they were with other children, it that was always a put upon play acting thing too. Oh, mm-hmm. we're all in a commercial together. Yeah. Oh, we're all dancing together. Yeah, something for a forced. Show, yeah. You know, so something forced. So it wouldn't be as if, hey, you know what, you're going to school every mm-hmm. single day and so I can kind of watch how you're being monitored, your grades are monitoring, or who you're playing with, or what you're doing. So you're right. The whole thing, if there was a change, how would you have known? Yeah. Unless absolutely. that child has come forward to you and said, "Wow, mom, I'm so depressed. I have so much mm-hmm. anxious." And and kids don't do that. No, kids don't do that. And especially back then, that was a different time. I mean, now to me, it seems like kids are more angsty and Mm -hmm. and anxious and things like that and will express it. Mm -hmm. And that was a different time, too. It was a very different time, Mm -hmm. which the times now really speak to that, don't they? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this would have never happened 20 years ago. Us talking about something like this. Oh, no, so no, freely and, not. and mm-hmm. so openly. And, you know, um, there's so many things that I disagree with social media that's out there and, and um, things that are put out there that's not true and hatred and intolerance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then yet in so many other ways, we've come so forward with social media, with things like this being able to come out. Yeah. And to yeah. be able to talk about and have that freedom. To do. Yeah, I think moving forward, it can be a healing moment, but it's just, it's amazing um, the difference in the reception of this documentary versus even the R. Kelly one, Surviving R. Kelly. I think people just automatically kind of believe, not everyone, there were mm-hmm. still large groups of people that that didn't believe R. Kelly's victims and, and alleged victims, and, and some of them were more believable than others, mm-hmm. but people are just really up in arms about this Michael Jackson documentary. And I think even more so than R. Kelly saying they're liars and there's a whole movement um, in social media against these victims. And what do you think about that? I think it's because Michael Jackson from the very beginning has always been the type of person that put out the persona of I'm a loving person, I'm a giving person. My my songs are always about empowerment. My songs are about loving children. My songs are about making the world better. And even his actions, I mean, he was benevolent. Mm -hmm. And even with all this, it was easy to dismiss because he gave so much money to charities. He did so much for children's organizations. So he did almost seem like this angel. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas maybe with the R. Kelly, 
um, his songs has many songs that are aggressive that are out there that are objectifying like in his music he tells you who he is right and that was not the case with Michael Jackson it was the opposite you made a very interesting point with that in that with R. Kelly's music it's out there yes it's graphic Mm -hmm. he's telling you what's on his mind my uh my mind is telling me no Mm -hmm. but my body is telling me yes so right there he's talking about consent right or the lack thereof and self-control yeah so yeah and and it's kind of sexy to be that way yeah hey wow that's kind of sexy i'm the bad boy and you know it's kind of sexy and everybody agree with me and yeah so i i I think that's why i think Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why Michael Jackson came out as such a such a, a wonderful giving person and we're going to make the world better and um, so I think that's kind of the difference there. Yeah, he comes off as more of a sympathetic figure, I think, mm-hmm. than R. Kelly who is, you know, the image of the R&B bad boy. Right. Yeah, yeah. where, you know, a certain amount of bad behavior is expected and accepted and accepted yeah 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 and I don't know if you're aware of this but there is I think somewhat of a divide with some people even um along racial lines with both of these incidents and there's a lot of people of color and especially black people who are incensed and I I get it that why is it that we're not seeing surviving Harvey Weinstein. How are we not seeing documentaries on Woody Allen and how Mm -hmm. creepy he is? Mm -hmm. And to a lot of of black people and people of color in general, it just looks like kind of unfair that these black artists are targeted and you're not hardly hearing a peep about Caucasian perpetrators. And they are in abundance as well. Oh. So what do you say to that argument? Because a lot of people, I think, are not necessarily looking at the case-by-case situation, but are kind of colored with the color aspect of these. I. It's all about power and control. Yeah. You know, it's all about power and control. You brought up an excellent point. And I know you and I have talked about this before. Um because they're white people, mm-hmm. um, they're um, empowered. They um, and I just think that's why. I mean, that's my personal op- opinion on it, and I'm hoping that that's going to change. Because you're right, the the Harvey Weinstein it first came out. That's absolutely horrendous. Yes, you know what he had done. And I'm sorry, who was the other person that you? I said Woody Allen, and then there's a whole, uh, what's his name, Epstein? Yes, yes. And, and, and you're right, Jatan, and all of that came mm-hmm. out before mm-hmm. Surviving R. Kelly, uh, Michael Jackson, and that also, too, has been whisper- whispered about for years. Yeah. I mean, this is not any big, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, this happened. Mm-hmm. So that's a really yeah. good point. But I think it's because it speaks to how it has always been. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. The people that have the most power are and the most privilege mm-hmm. are protected. Yeah. There's probably a certain amount of fear mm-hmm. not to cross these individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so to the people that have that argument, I say, I hear you, my brother. I hear you, my sister. And mm-hmm. no, um, on the surface and the appearance of it, it isn't fair. Mm-hmm. that these stories are coming out and the other ones aren't. But at the same time, that doesn't dismiss the alleged crimes that have taken place. Right. So you have to look at it like that, regardless as to the focus seeming only to be on them. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's a reason. They were big stars, and if they are guilty of these crimes, it's horrific. Right. And attention needs to be brought to it. Right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. No matter what ethnicity you are, yeah. no matter uh, if you're a male, if you're a female, you're right. Looking at it exactly like you said, Jatan, looking at it that way, mm-hmm. you're right. It, it, isn't, it does not seem fair. Mm-hmm. But sexual abuse and crimes 
crosses every divide. Yeah. It, it, it goes, yeah. it crosses. crosses race, socioeconomic right. situations, culture, you name it. Yes. It's happening. It's happening. And everywhere. It, and it just so happens that right now, the focus and the outcry, you're right, is mm-hmm. Michael Jackson, R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it should be everything. But whether you're white, whether you're black, no matter what ethnicity you are, sexual abuse is sexual abuse. Yes. And so, like you said, hopefully this is going to open the door mm-hmm. for other documentaries, no matter mm-hmm. who you are. But that is an excellent point. And what do you think also, because I think some of the outcry about people saying that um, never, uh, leaving Neverland was not fair because Michael Jackson is deceased and can't defend himself one way or the other. What do you think about that? I think that really um, affected some people's opinion too. Like, kind of, well, how dare you? He can't. He can't defend himself. He can't tell his side of the story. He's gone. Mm-hmm. I I had to think about that too. Yeah. I, I thought that too. I thought he is gone. He is not able to stand up and say, "Hey, this did not happen." Um, mm-hmm. But I also felt like if you did it. And and I do. I do believe that he did do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the message is there. Yeah. The the, the person that did do it is gone. Yeah. But it happened. Mm -hmm. And whether that person is still alive or deceased, it did Mm -hmm. happen to these two young men. Yeah. And um, more power to them for coming forward. So what do you think about people in general... And we've seen it in the last few years, especially with the Me Too movement and Time's Up, that people are coming forward. And a lot of times they're coming forward about things that have happened Mm -hmm. 20, 30, 40, sometimes even 50 years ago. And there's always the flip side of that, too. It's like from a legal standpoint, there's really no recourse. And when you throw out these accusations at people, there's no due process on the other side the accusation alone is enough to affect someone's life mm-hmm. so what do you think about that I that's a tough one it is a tough one and I, I think the only way that I I think my answer to that is is that with people even though it happened a long time ago the empowerment and the education that keeps happening is allowing people to come forward and mm-hmm. to tell their story. Mm-hmm. And so it maybe it happened a long time ago, but what you're doing by coming forward and saying is, is that you're helping the next generation or mm-hmm. the next person. Mm-hmm. And I think it also goes back to, like you said, Tujitown, we are in a very, very different time. Mm-hmm. My goodness, it, it really hasn't even been that long ago that mm-hmm. domestic violence was spoken about so freely. Yes. And so, so I mean, sexual abuse alone, I mean, the words of that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're in a different time. So um, I, I understand. I do. Yeah. I understand people saying, well, what do you mean someone's coming forward and it happened yeah, 20 years like, ago? What are you, you trying to prove, prove it now? At this point, yeah. it's he said, she said. Yeah. And I think what people need to realize is, yeah, you are going to have the rare instance where someone may be lying. But that is really, statistically, it is rare that people lie about sexual abuse and especially children. Yeah. So, and I think people need to realize that when they are being skeptical, most people, I think statistically it's like 90-something percent. I think, if I remember correctly, 94 mm-hmm. percent of people that come forward are telling the truth. Right. So, yeah, you're going to have the rare outlier that, sure. may, that may do it for nefarious reasons. But overwhelmingly, people are telling the truth when they come forward. I think, and I remember you and I talking about this um, with the whole Kavanaugh hearings and I and I you and I saying that even if you don't necessarily believe fully what she was saying about him Mm -hmm. I was stunned at the hatred that came towards her and from women and from women and I was absolutely stunned and so 
like you and I both said, you don't have to believe her. I mean, but why are we not going forward with this and saying, you know what, I don't necessarily maybe believe her, but what we need to take away from this more than anything is a teachable moment here. Yes. And even with this Michael Jackson documentary, Mm -hmm. and Oprah made the point very well, this is bigger than him. Mm -hmm. This is bigger than these two alleged victims that you may or may not believe. This is, it's bigger. And it it, um, deserves a bigger conversation. And I think that's how I was feeling um, like that with with the Kavanaugh thing. Mm -hmm. This this is opening up a conversation Mm -hmm. so instead of um you know being so hurtful and hateful um let's open our eyes a little bit let's let's talk about this let's Mm -hmm. you know calm down a little bit about this and so i think that's probably what we're also going to see with the whole michael jackson thing with the backlash Mm -hmm. you know instead of concentrating so much on these boys are lying and they're trying to take advantage and you know et cetera et cetera and and the hateful things that are people are saying about them let's take a take a deep breath here and Mm -hmm. learn from this yes and learn from this and like i said watch it and learn what grooming is like now of course grooming mostly isn't to this extreme Mm -hmm. he was michael was famous and he was rich so and like i said in most cases entire families aren't being groomed it's like they're able to whether it's at school or church or different places have access to kids but just to learn what grooming looks like Mm -hmm. so you can recognize it you know kind of going back to what we were talking about with weinstein and woody allen it's interesting to see where the grooming process really begins Mm -hmm. and it really begins when someone has that power yes has that power to do it mm-hmm. so both of those both of the boys said mm-hmm. this was when he was at the height of yes. his power yeah it was at the height of his power i don't think michael jackson was abusing young men when he was just starting out right um and it makes you wonder what in the world happened to him mm-hmm. like like something in him was so deeply sick in these actions but even when you look at how he changed his appearance and you know he was unrecognizable from who he originally was i know it's like by the time of his death he looked like an old white woman he did i mean he had just transformed his body so much and he had so much self-hatred it's like you wonder not that it excuses it in any way because and that's another myth and I've I've discussed this on the podcast before and I want people to know just because someone has been abused does not mean they're going to be an abuser in fact most of the time it's just the opposite Mm -hmm. people that are abused the last thing that they um, want to do is inflict that pain on others. So that, that again, is something that's rare. But with Michael Jackson, just looking at him visibly, he was a disturbed individual. Oh, oh. You know, and that's like you and I were talking about the other day. I can, when I had first heard the, the first time when the allegations had come, and like you and I were saying, he was still, compared to when he had passed away, extremely handsome man extremely Uh but I even remember thinking at that time wow what has Michael Jackson done to his face what has he done Um, but looking back at that compared to when he passed away he looked very good it was still extremely handsome but you're right that it just progressively got worse and worse and worse and like Uh I had mentioned the other day I remember even thinking all those years ago is this a form of self-hatred Mm-hmm. That you are punishing yourself for doing something that you do not have any control over. And I wonder if that's part of it because I always looked at it and, and in interviews, Michael said how uh, belittling and verbally abusive and mm-hmm. also physically abusive his father was and how his father would tell him that he was ugly and that he mm-hmm. had a big nose. And, and so I always thought 
that metamorphosis he was forcing on himself came from that Mm -hmm. but now after looking at this and the pedophilia Mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't just that it was the fact that he also hated himself for what he was doing right right yeah you you had you didn't have I mean I hate to say the word you didn't have control because people do make choices yeah it was definitely a choice Mm -hmm. definitely a choice but you were making such terrible choices and you obviously knew you were because the boys had said you can't tell anybody or mm-hmm. you were both going to go to prison yeah we're both the- going to go to so prison so he mm-hmm. knew that he was doing something horrible to these young men yes but wasn't stopping it so because of I, I don't know that that was kind of always my take on that mm-hmm. because as soon as that first allegation came out that's when that metamorphosis started happening yeah and I thought you know what you're doing this to yourself yeah because you are not controlling Mm -hmm. what you're doing that you know is wrong right and like I said I hate to use the word control um because we can stop ourselves from making bad choices Mm -hmm. but in the line of work that you and I both do we also know that there is just so much more behind that yeah when people do things like that when mm-hmm. people are raised in a healthy relationship and people are raised in a relationship where the adults that you love and you trust treat you with respect mm-hmm. um, you don't all of a sudden at 21 years old decide to either beat up your partner or sexually abuse someone mm-hmm. so you're right I, I mean this is not something that you just wake up and decide, I think this is what I'm going to do today. Yeah. You know? Um, but so. in bringing up the allegations, I thought it was uh, was good to hear the explanation as to why both these young men defended Michael Jackson in the first trial. In the first trial, both of them came to his defense. In his second trial, only Wade did. Mm-hmm. And at that point, James was like, no. And he told Michael, he said Michael called him on the phone to try to coerce him into testifying. And at that point, he was just like, no. And he was like, that's the last conversation he ever had mm-hmm. with Michael. Yeah. That he had said no. But Wade, and I think this is why it's, I don't want to say harder to believe him, but I can definitely understand why it's difficult for some people to believe him because even for me I was like well I remember him coming to Michael Jackson's defense uh, because he had his notoriety himself as a choreographer and he was working with all these famous people and stuff so I was aware of who he was and I was like he defended him Mm -hmm. in both these trials and even himself he said in the documentary he was at his funeral you know sobbing and you know with great emotion and stuff and it's like okay so you support him at all that time even up into his death and then in 2013 he sued the estate Mm -hmm. and then so you kind of think okay well did you sue for money and Oprah directly addressed that in the show which I think was good I I thought that explained a lot Mm -hmm. explained a lot um, and it was important for them to have to kind of talk to speak to that because it's in course, people's minds. Yeah, yes. it's in your minds. Like, well, you're saying you're abused, but right, you got up in court and basically perjured yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I thought you're if if people if anybody watches it, definitely watch the Oprah one because it, she really got to some really really good questions and got some really really good answers. But the boys kept saying, which I just over and over, um, they loved him. Yeah. They loved him um, because, well, like in any abusive relationship mm-hmm. that, that you and I listen to or, or you encounter, so much good is there also. Because people Along aren't with, yeah, 100% go ahead. evil yes. or 100% good. You know, right. there's both. There's both. Yeah. There's both. Mm-hmm. And... Um, with Michael Jackson, there was more good for these little boys than there was bad at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, once again, going back to the word grooming, mm-hmm. you know, grooming and the toys and the fun and the playing, and he was like a child with them too. Mm-hmm. So he really got these 
young men to love him. Yes. As a as a as a brother or even I think in Wade's Wade's situation really is very very hard. Yeah. You know, not only as a brother, a friend and mm-hmm. replaced his father. Yes, he absolutely replaced his father. Mm-hmm. And I think that um Oprah's show was so powerful in that she really explained the seduction Mm -hmm. and that in our minds when you think sexual abuse I think we just naturally think of some horrible rape or someone is Mm -hmm. like it's a physically violent act which sometimes rape is but when it comes to these situations it's not it's seductive it Mm -hmm. feels good that's why people or children or even sometimes adults can allow themselves to stay in these situations because it feels good right your child yeah your child and um and it wasn't done like you just said it, it was mm-hmm. not done as a violent no it wasn't act violent at all it was very subtle very subtle and mm-hmm. you know the first the rubbing of the legs and the rubbing of the arms and you know so it was done as a very subtle way mm-hmm. and you know like you and i were talking a little bit earlier um especially with the younger children in a grooming process Mm -hmm. it's not the penetration that happens Mm -mm. you know it's not the pain Mm -hmm. that happens and both of the both of the young men said that when Michael Jackson did try to have anal intercourse they both said to him this hurts yeah and Michael Jackson stopped yes so and went back to doing the other right things. to mm-hmm. doing doing the things that didn't hurt for these young men. Mm-hmm. So what? It, it so much of it was just so eye opening, and then, so eye opening. As a child, you can't process sexuality. No, you can't process sex. It's just a matter of this feels good or that doesn't feel good. And it's so confusing. That's the whole point of this. It's so confusing. Yes. And then confusing love with this act because both young men said that he really reiterated to both of them, this is an act of love. This is what people who love each other do. Mm -hmm. Right. And as a kid, this person that you love and idolize, you're like, well, okay, you don't know any better. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. And, and then on top of it, you're separated from your parents. You're separated from other family members. Also, too, they were even separated from the other children that were on. Did you catch that, Jatan? Mm-hmm. They were, and also, like with the R. Kelly. Yeah. Which is exactly what the young girls said in the uh-huh. R. Kelly thing. We weren't allowed to talk to anybody. Even we to each other. Like, they were in, each other. in different rooms. Right. Not allowed to share anything. Not allowed. And Michael Jackson also did that. Yeah. Also, too. But yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, maybe not as aggressively, maybe not as um, um, as rule, but both of the boys said that. They mm-hmm. said, oh, yeah, I remember him. We said hi. We didn't really play or anything yeah. like that, but, and we, but I do remember enough to say hi. So not only did he keep the adults away from these children, but he also kind of kept the other children away from them, too. Yeah, he absolutely did. And it was interesting with both young men when they said they started to see and experience Michael pulling away. Mm-hmm. And then they started to see him with other young boys. And I think that really kind of started the aha moments with them and them thinking, oh, that was me. Now that's him. And he's probably doing the same things with him that he was doing with me. And then being conflicted about that, being jealous. Jealous. And also, like, hurt. And this big, larger-than-life figure in your life is kind of weaning himself away and distancing himself. And he's got a new thing. Yeah. And I remember, you know, now that, you know, as you're watching it, and, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I do remember this. All of a sudden, he had this one child with him all the time. Yeah. And holding hands with him and, and this with him on tour and publicity things. And then all of a sudden, he had another child. But like pedophilia, it's a cutoff at mm-hmm. an age cutoff. As soon yeah, as because, they start to go into puberty. one of them, I think it was Wade said that at some point he hadn't seen Michael for a long time. And then when he saw him, he had experienced a huge growth spurt. Yep. So he was just as tall, if not taller than Michael. Mm-hmm. And so the whole physicality of it was different and felt different and more off. 
when they were basically the same size. But here they are, you know, and I, once again, Jatan, here they are. They're the same size now. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a grown man yeah. now. Um, so the power dynamics have yeah. changed. Yeah, that did shift. It shifted. So Michael Jackson didn't feel like he had that power over him. So now I'm going to have some power over another young boy. Yeah. Which is better. Yeah, and the cycle continued. Yeah, and the cycle continues. Um, another thing that was um, good to hear was that they really brought out the point that the issue and the problem isn't just with the act of sex itself, the sexual stuff that happened, but it's everything that happened after the guilt, the shame, the confusion. Uh, both men both expressed having nervous breakdowns mm -hmm. at some point. So even beyond that physical act, it's all the pain and suffering after the act. That comes after it. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. James said on, on Oprah's, uh, the, the special on Oprah, which I thought was so interesting also, too, that it literally goes into your nervous system. Mm -hmm. It's in your body now. Yeah. The anxiety and the pain and everything is now a physical in your body. I thought yeah. that was a really powerful statement. Yeah, and it was interesting that with both men, they said that they hated themselves, they were angry and sad, and they didn't even connect it mm -hmm. to the abuse. I mean, it was after they were adults, and especially interesting enough, after they both had children and they both had sons, that they were able to connect that those what was going on with them to abuse and to even be able to recognize what happened mm -hmm. as abuse as abuse right once they've had their sons um i think it was wade that said that this he said that because as a child you don't have sympathy for yourself or mm -hmm. you don't have empathy for yourself yeah as a child yeah because those are sophisticated emotions exactly exactly yeah. but when you have your own children and you see that so yeah kind of like you said that was a really interesting part where he said I didn't see it happening to me but I could see in my mind he doing this to my child not to me yeah but doing this to my yeah, child Wade said he began to have nightmares mm -hmm. about it happening to his son mm-hmm yeah, yeah, and that was one of the, the catalysts to drive him to get help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And fortunately for both men, they eventually, you know, got married and had supportive wives because, especially with James, because he seemed so much more troubled mm -hmm. than Wade, it's easy to, like, walk away or not be able to handle that. Mm -hmm. So for both those women to stand by their side in their healing process I thought was big for both women. I did too. Yeah. I, I did too, I thought. And especially um, not knowing about the dynamics of mm -hmm. sexual assault and yeah. sexual abuse and yeah. what it does. You're right. These women were really um, didn't know. At least I, they both admitted it. You know, I had no idea what the dynamics of sexual yeah. abuse and sexual assault was, and and what it does to someone. And you're right. And they would say, you know, he's depressed today, or he's gone into the dark place, and I couldn't understand it. But you're right. So mm -hmm. very could have very easily walked away from that. Yeah, walked away from that. And James had said, and was so very honest. He said, "This is going to be with me the rest of my life." Yeah, the and rest that, of my and life. that was, I think important for a lot of survivors to hear that that there's no magic wand mm -hmm. that it takes work to be able to heal and mm -hmm. even once you've done the work it's still there those mm -hmm. memories aren't erased right but you just learn you get the tools and you learn to cope mm -hmm. once you reach out for help I yeah and I think like you said kind of going back to what we were talking about you know is it right to come out and, and talk about what somebody has done to you that is not here to de defend themselves, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because it happened to you. And what happened to you is against the law. It yeah. is not right. And so by coming out, mm -hmm. that person is not here to defend themselves. But by coming out and saying it, like you had just said, you're able to give other people the hope 
yeah. the tools, the guidance, mm-hmm. the support to be on that path of journey. You know what? Nobody asked to be abused. Nobody yeah. asked to be treated this way. And, and so, and one thing about the show that came out too that a couple of people said and alluded to is that you're only as sick as your secrets Mm -hmm. and how freeing and liberating it is to be able to tell your truth you're not holding on to that there Mm -hmm. is something just so therapeutic in being able to admit it out loud Mm -hmm. to be able to release it it almost like it frees you it lifts that off of you to keep that secret so yeah. yeah didn't you did you find it interesting on the oprah show how they had said that one of the reasons why they couldn't say something for so long because if they did then it would have erased everything that really happened in their childhood yeah mm-hmm. that's powerful mm-hmm. that's powerful that something so traumatic that would happen to somebody mm-hmm. would erase and if you had to say it out loud and to tell someone, that would erase all the good that happened in mm-hmm. your childhood. Mm-hmm. So that is extremely brave to be yeah. able to come out and say something like that. Yeah. It was really good. I, I, so, yeah, I, I commend anyone who has the courage to come forward. And I think now that we are having these conversations and that, people that come out for the most part are Mm -hmm. supported Mm -hmm. as they should be I'm just looking forward to the day when people don't have to wait 20 30 40 years to tell their stories that they can tell it even while there can be some legal recourse Mm -hmm. so that'll be a great day when people can feel free and safe enough to talk about it even as it's going on you know um and I know that you've talked about Bill Cosby before and when it when it happened and I've had this conversation with other people when it started happening and once again you know um, why are these women coming forward and why are they saying it Um, and I remember talking to somebody and saying it really takes maybe one or two people to say to you I believe you I believe what happened to you Mm -hmm. and then that's when people will start to come forward and that's when you are going to hear the people coming forward and more and more people, whether no matter how many years ago it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right, it's time, and we are getting there. I truly do believe that we are getting there. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it that people are saying, I believe you, you know, how brave of you to come out. Here's another thing, too, and I remember when I used to go out and um, do community trainings, et cetera, et cetera. One thing that I think that um, people don't aren't, are, aren't aware of um, unless you're working in this line of business or maybe you've experienced this you know in your life with somebody mm-hmm. if you come forward and you tell someone one person that something has happened to you mm-hmm. and that person says oh I don't believe you that couldn't have happened the chances of you coming forward and saying it mm-hmm. ever again is pretty much nil And you suffer in silence the rest of your life. Or when you see other people that come forward with their abuse and Mm -hmm. they're not believed and they're vilified. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So you can see why people stay silent. You can. Like when you see that even happen to other people, you're like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm not going to tell my story and have that happen to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still, you know, it's still, and I think we're getting there, um, but instead of, saying like someone is being sexually assaulted or something um instead of saying well you know why was that person wearing this or why was that person out that late or why was that person walking where they were walking with um I think we are getting to that point where we're Mm -hmm. saying um that's not what we say what we say is why does somebody do that Right. White. And so instead of. Put the blame of, where it belongs. Yeah. Which put is the on blame the where it belongs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the offender. So we're getting there. We are. We're getting there. And so these documentaries and talking about it and um, it's getting there and, it, and it's opening it up. But I just can't stress enough and that maybe if you don't necessarily believe 
a whole story of what someone is saying or you're kind of doubting it or kind of instead of vilifying that person let's take this as a teachable moment yes absolutely if nothing else it's a teachable moment Mm -hmm. and to help you bring you know some awareness Mm -hmm. to where if you can see it you recognize it or someone comes to you with their stories that you can be open Mm -hmm. and be an ear to listen and be there to help Did you have anything else on your notes? I know. I know. I wrote notes down you because everything was so, so good. I just, like I said, and I can't watch it again right away, but there's no doubt about it. I'm going to watch it probably again in a couple months. You think so? I don't know that I can. I definitely in the so Oprah hard one. watching it the yeah. first time. I actually did watch the Oprah one again. Actually, I watched it today before mm-hmm. We were about to do the interview because I wanted to be. There were just so many great nuggets in that show. Oh, I know. I wanted to be able to to touch on on some of that. So yeah, but I don't know if I can watch it yeah. again. She. It's sa- important to watch, but I don't know if it I can is watch important it again. to watch. You know, I, I think that maybe not the whole documentary should be shown. Well, no, I'm going to back up that. I think everything should be shown for educators. Yes. That are going into school mm-hmm. for anybody in the medical field. Mm-hmm. For, it should be shown. Mm-hmm. It should be right along there and, and right along there with the Oprah Winfrey thing. I think anybody, yeah. um, that's, I do. I, I, it was really, and, it, and I thought it was done extremely tasteful. Yeah. I didn't feel like that it was done um, as a way to just. Like shock value. Correct. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. shock value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also felt that. The documentary wasn't really necessarily out to vilify Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of felt it was more of, hey, this is what happens. Yeah, totally about the victim from the yes. victim's perspective. Yes, I yeah. mean, not certainly, certainly not by any means. I mean, what he did was wrong and, you know, I don't know if that made sense or not. Yeah. I don't know if that made sense. I, I don't yeah. feel like it was done as a sensational like <gasps> type of thing I just mm-hmm. felt it was done more of hey this is what happens and yeah from the um, point of view of the survivor yeah, yeah from the point of view of the survivor mm-hmm. and how how much that sexual assault is not like we said at the very beginning truly um more than not um an aggressive throwing somebody up against the wall yeah type of situation especially with children especially mm-hmm. with children and another but thing it's that, more of that grooming that Oprah process said that if the the offender is really good at what he does oh yeah you don't even realize you're being abused and that's why it took decades for these men to even realize that it was abuse he was a master at it yeah when you're that good at it the person doesn't even know because you're in it together mm-hmm and you know so you don't even realize you're being abused because no. you're enjoying the act itself even though it's wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you don't know you don't know why and, and that's part of the confusion about it very confusing and, mm-hmm. it, and it's not something that happened right away no you know i i'm pretty it was a slow process it was a slow process so the first time that michael jackson met these young men had them at their house and if that that very first night that he would have done and a horrible aggressive act on them yeah i'm pretty sure i they can't say told, for sure yeah. but they would have gone to mom and said i don't ever want to be at this person's house think, again if i remember correctly with wade i think he originally met michael jackson when he won that dance contest you're right at five right and so it was a two-year development of mm-hmm. the relationship before he actually sexually abused him at age seven right so it was not even an overnight thing no that oh, was no. two years methodic grooming in the process in the making, in the making. Mm-hmm. yeah it, yeah it was i thought like i said both of their stories were absolutely mm-hmm. very interesting and very compelling but you're right with wade there was um about that um that was like you just said he was so little Mm-hmm. and idolized him from yeah. such an extremely young age parents encouraged it mm-hmm. which you know why wouldn't you yeah you know they, yeah, they he thought said, he was a great guy too he and, was he was you know he was god to them yeah so automatically they would have believed and gone along with anything he right. said or did yes so thanks to our listeners 
of the Get Happy with Jay podcast. And a super special thanks to my guest, Jeannie Anders. And if her voice sounds familiar, she's been on the podcast <laughs> before discussing our favorite show, which happens to be The Handmaid's Tale, which I tell you, I'm so disappointed that they're making us wait until June. I thought for sure the new season was going to start yes. in April. But sometime before the new season starts, you, I, and Shannon, who also loves the show, yes. our co-worker, we will get together and we will do a review of season two like we did okay. of season one. That sounds great. As we're heading into three and talk about what we're looking forward to. Yeah. And just, I tell you, I cannot wait I for can't that. either. I can't either. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, you know, for the listeners out there, it's too bad that I did not have a selfie of Jatan and I's face when Jatan said, uh, we're not going to be able to see it until June. Because I weren't was, they going to do it in April? Yeah. The other seasons, one and two, came out in April. So I yeah. assumed it'd be the same yes. with three. And when I saw that online, I'm like, what? you got to be kidding me. Yes. A couple extra more months to wait? Yes. And very rarely am I speechless, right, Jatan? Very rarely, <laughs> yeah. right? But I think I was speechless on that one. I wasn't quite sure how to respond to that yeah. one. Poor Jatan. And I think, <laughs> and I think even before that, I'm going to have you back on to discuss your obsession about O.J. Simpson. <laughs> it's horrible. I can't get over it. I, my son lives in California. And so I was there last year, and we went by Brentwood. We went by this. We went oh by that. God. I can't stop that obsession. I yeah. can't. Well, I haven't but watched any of the documentaries you have or to. things about that, but I'm going to in preparation for the show that we're going to do. Okay. And I think um, the reason why we're going to talk about it is because I think it has relevance even to today. Yes. From the racial divides yes. that we even see today. Um, with the things that happened around O.J. Simpson and other things, too, and about, you know, the rich and powerful, mm -hmm. how they get away with things. We see that. We saw that with a judgment yesterday in the Manafort trial and how it was a travesty of justice yes. that he received such a short sentence Awful. given the horrific crimes yes. that he committed yes. and admitted to. Right. He right. wasn't just convicted. He admitted it. Mm -hmm. So I think um, it's going to be really relevant and fun to discuss. I, OJ. I, I do too. It, it, it is, yeah. I, I think his story, right, like here we go with my obsession, from beginning to end. Yeah. It was a classic of power and control. Domestic violence. Domestic violence. Everything. You know, a, a two, per, well, like Michael Jackson too. I mean, two sides to you. Mm -hmm. Um Another thing, too, is that um, I do. I'm with you, too, Jatani. I think it's so relevant once again. It's made its way back again. Yeah. And here, and I know you and I have talked about this before, what do you think, if that happened today with O.J. Simpson, mm -hmm. what the response would have been immediately? Do you think... It would have still been, oh, I think we no, really that couldn't have happened. Yeah. Yes, unfortunately I do because okay. I think the power and control thing mm -hmm. and that some people are able to get away with things, unfortunately I think that could happen again. I do too. I, don't, I, I think we are further along now with addressing sexual abuse, I think, mm -hmm. than even domestic violence I agree with that especially when it comes to the rich and famous I agree I don't think we're there yet so I think it could happen again mm -hmm. unfortunately I, I, I we've got a ways to go with that we do we have a ways to go with domestic violence because domestic violence is seen still as how come you're not leaving yeah Again, what do victim you mean? blaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, victim blaming. You, um, you're a grown adult. You're two grown adults. Where the sexual abuse and the sexual assault um, is a little bit of a different thought process because, mm -hmm. at least right now, mm -hmm. because so much of it is in the news, when I think of sexual assault and sexual abuse, I, I am thinking more of underage children that this yeah. is happening mm -hmm. to. And, of course, an underage child can't leave. Of course they can't. Mm -hmm. So you're right with kind of the response on that. Yeah. Um, 
but yes. So yeah, we got a lot of stuff to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we've got tons. So thank we you for tons. joining. We have tons. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Jatan. You know, I always love doing it and talking with and you. I and I love having you on because whatever we talk about, you're going to be passionate about and able <laughs> to really have a thoughtful discussion about it. And that's what I appreciate. Oh, thank you. And for all of you listeners too, if any of you have been triggered or if you um, know that you or someone that you know has been a victim of sexual abuse and you're looking for help, help is available. Call 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 1-800-656-4673. And you will be referred to resources close to where you are. There is definitely help available for you. And you can also visit the website rain.org and that's rain with two n's you can get tons of information there too and for everyone please feel free to join us in our conversation by leaving a comment on our facebook page or at the website gethappywithj.com look forward to hearing what you guys have to say what you thought of leaving neverland and after neverland with oprah it was just enlightening in so many ways so until next time you guys do something to make yourself happy. It's not selfish, it's self-care. Tell me how to get happy.